This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim? To make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith. Career missionary Ann Chini, as she is known by those she ministers to, served in Indonesia on the island of Borneo beginning in 1971, more than 50 years ago. Trained in nursing, Ginny worked in a clinic located in a remote area of this tropical island, serving 35 villages of natives, including headhunter tribes. She was used by God to reach out to children, developing study materials that taught about God, while providing vital health information as well. Aunt Ginny maintains friendships through social media with believers who came to Christ through her work and are now adults with children of their own. And how did you get interested in missions? I went to a Bible club when I was about nine years old, and then that kind of folded, and we didn't go to church or anything, but I had a friend that invited me out to a youth group, and then I started going to Sunday school and church, and at the same time, realized I needed to know the Lord as my Savior. I mean, that's another whole story, how that happened. But I also started going to a club. It was called High BA High School Born Againers. It was organized by, by a, an organization called High School Evangelism. And what we did was we learned how to study the Bible. We learned how to witness. And we also, once a month, had a missions emphasis. And that just really caught my heart when I heard about missions, because I was not churched. It was so new to me. And I just thought, Lord, if that's what you want me to do. And I told our club leader one day, I think I'm going to be a missionary. And he, what? (laughs) I had no clue what I was saying, but I really felt the Lord began to speak to my heart then. And we, we had a special conference in New York City from all of the clubs where those of us who had expressed an interest in missions were invited and uh, I remember going to that, and the thing I remember the most was a film about the life of William Carey. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll be a missionary, and I'll go to India. That's what I said to the Lord that day. I was a, I was a junior in high school. So you thought India. Yes. How did you wind up in Borneo? I met a nurse um, in the church I attended in South Carolina. We had a missionary nurse visiting us, and she was with an organization called RBMU. And she was a nurse in Nepal. And she said, well, we're finding it hard to get into India, but we also have work in Nepal. And she encouraged me to contact the mission. So I began correspondence with RBMU. And at some point they said, you know, India is really difficult and Nepal. Um, We have a great need in Indonesia on the island of Borneo. Would you be willing to pray about that? I didn't even know where Borneo was. So I began praying about it. And it was, you know, you know how the Lord leads step by step. That's. What happened, there was a nurse in Kalimantan who had been there by herself for four years, going on five years without a break, and she really needed someone else to work with her. So what did ministry look like for you? Ministry for me, um, of course, a lot of it was tied up with the clinic. Um, We were the only medical help for about 35 villages, and we did everything. I was trained. I had good training as a nurse, but I certainly wasn't trained 
to deliver babies or pull teeth or sew up cuts and all of the things we did in that clinic. But my coworker and I also had a burden for the children in the village. So we started a, because on prayer meeting night, the church would be half filled with children and, and then adults. So we started a children's ministry on a Tuesday evening. And that was a big part of our ministry. Um, after I'd been there a while in the national church, decided they needed to have more Sunday school teachers trained because churches were being planted. And so they asked me to head that up. So then I got a team together and we tra traveled sometimes by plane, sometimes by trekking, sometimes, you know, just local and started a whole ministry of training Sunday school teachers. So that was also part of my ministry for a while. What were the people like? The people were, um, the Dyaks are tribal people. They were headhunters. Um, when the first missionaries came in, that's what they faced. Uh, people who um, worshiped evil spirits. Um, everything was a spirit, everything was a God. And as a people, they were very friendly. They were very appreciative of what we did to help them, especially as we began the medical work. Um, yeah, just just a great group of people um, looked down upon by other Indonesians who thought that they didn't have any abilities. And when our when our Bible school graduates went on to seminary to the astonishment of some of the other Indonesians. But initially they were all part of, a, you know, tribal warfare between even between the villages was not unusual. How did ministry change? You were there for, for quite a while. How, how did ministry shift in your time there? Well, I was going to say that the the training of the Sunday school teachers, that was a, a, a major shift um, at, after I'd been there for a few years. And then also the, um, initially we didn't, we had a Bible school and churches were being planted and we didn't have enough trained people to lead these churches. So the, the area leaders in our district assigned Clara and I. So when I was first there and finally got some of the language learned, mm -hmm. uh, every Sunday we were assigned to go bring a message, you know, bring a Bible story or something at one of these newly planted churches. So I did that. And gradually we got more church leaders. So then the Nash, the, um, for a while there, the government um, would not allow me to work at the clinic. And that's when I got really into um, developing materials for Vacation Bible School. We decided to, to develop a whole program on health teaching that was patterned after that. And so we did these lessons where we taught about malaria, we taught about boiling water, we taught about anything and everything to do with health and nutrition and that kind of thing. So we did that, going into even remote areas by the MAF plane and teaching these lessons on health and nutrition and all. It was quite interesting. <laughs> Talk about the importance of children's ministry. Wow. <laughs> well, because um, the National Church, when I got there, was probably 15, 20 years in the making. So they were still new, but not totally new. In other words, we had a Bible school that eventually evolved into a seminary. But um, they they didn't see the value of a ministry specifically for children. And I think that's what we we began to share with the church that 
we called it from the cradle to the grave. In other words, those children need to be taught and they're not too little to be taught. And it's really important that they're taught specifically how to love the Lord, things about the Bible, how to follow Christ. And so that's why we started the Sunday school teacher training. That's why we encouraged churches to have Sunday schools. And to this day, they're still doing the Sunday schools um, because they see the value now of reaching out to these children. You talked about the from the cradle to the grave. Did you see a lot of, of people that, you know, did you watch a lot of kids grow up and, and grow in Christ in that way? Yeah, quite a number of them. And actually, I have many Facebook friends now in Kalimantan. Some are, they were kid, little kids running around when I was first there. Some actually were um, babies I delivered. Now they're grown up and have families of their own. And even recently, I got in touch again with a lady. She's a grandmother now, but she was one of our house girls, and I had lost track of her. Still walking with the Lord, still praising the Lord. And I think that that in itself is evidence that that children's ministry has borne fruit over the years because now many of them are still walking with the Lord and in ministry themselves. So it is important. How did you change in your time in ministry? Well, when I was first there and learning the language, you know, you think I'll never learn this language and Indonesian is really an easy language to learn. And I, I needed I, I had to build up confidence that I could learn this language. And then the medical work, especially I had only been there, I think six months and Clara went on home assignment and left me in charge of the clinic. <laughs> Mind you, some of the older people from the surrounding villages couldn't even speak Indonesian. So it was, they, there are four dialects in our area. So, that was a challenge, but I think as, and then there were times when we didn't know if our visas would be renewed, you know, you go through all of that. But I think for me, um, one of the ways that I grew was just knowing, having to be reassured by the Lord, but understanding that he led me here and he's going to do what he wants to do through my life. There were some rough times, um, times of illness where I was really sick, um, times when Maybe something was misunderstood. I had early on, I, I I used a phrase that I didn't, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a bad phrase, but I didn't realize the way this man took it was wrong. And so he stood in the middle of our yard and told me to go home to America. But I think over the years, the Lord allowed me to mature and to see that he had been so faithful in leading me there. And even when it was difficult, even when we went through some really hard times, it was just another way to trust the Lord. Like even just, um, I didn't have to raise as much support as some of the other countries because of the cost of living, but still I had to keep that support going. There were times when I thought, oh, another home assignment. How many times am I going to have to travel here and travel there and speak in churches? But I ended up really enjoying that. And I'm sure that was the Lord. And And when I came home, it was hard. And I found that was another area of, um, saying goodbye to one era and welcoming a new one. It took me a while to get adjusted to being back here because my home was in Indonesia. What was the importance of having a team with you? 
because one of the one of the basic tenets of our BMU and our world team is a team is important. And um, I just think we had the best team going. <laughs> but it was. We, some of us didn't see each other very often because we lived isolated from each other. But for those who were close enough to us that we could see once in a while, and then just even different ones that came and lived in, in Anik in the village where Claire and I were. We're just very thankful as we became part of a team. It was really important because when, when we were going through a hard time or we had specific prayer needs, um, we made it a practice with, we had two different families at different times lived with us there and, and in the other house, but they lived in Onik. And we made it a practice to um, have prayer time together at least once a week and just to, just to be really willing to ask forgiveness or, or talk over things that were a problem. That's not easy, but to recognize that maybe that teammate, just, just a little thing like um, the one family, the Workingtons, um, young couple, he taught at the Bible school, which was 12 miles down the road. And he actually, his parents founded the Bible school. So he was used to Indonesia, but his wife wasn't in her. She had one child and then two, eventually three. But after, even after the first child was born, um, Claire and I would, you know, we would go over and say, hey, we'll, we'll take the kids for a walk or, you know, we'll do something. They can come over and we'll play something at our house just to give her as a mom time by herself. And at the same time, they recognized that Claire and I appreciated being invited over for dinner just to be with their family. So we really tried to be sensitive to that. Um, I, I just have every praise for my coworkers because as a single missionary, um, they really were, were considerate. What were some ways that you saw God transform people? When, when uh, missionaries were first there and they wanted to go share the gospel in a village, they had to first go to the head man of the village and be invited. And there was one village not too far from us called Pasir, which means Sandy. <laughs> and the first time Clara went there, um, the head man of the village, they, they needed to stay overnight somewhere and he wouldn't even let them stay. He wouldn't even let them stay. And then um, a young man from a village near them came to our Bible school. God used him to open up that village. So then I got um, assigned to go there um, when they were just starting. And, and now that church is still going on. It's just amazing how God did that. But we also, through the clinic, there were different things that happened through the medical work. Um, someone told us they thought the medical work was just to help the Christians. And Claire and I disagreed on that. We believe that God allowed us to start that medical work to be a tool to reach out. Yes, it would help the believers, but we thought it would also be something God could use in the lives of people. Uh, we had a young um, lady, that, a young mother who was having trouble in childbirth and her family trekked in and asked us to come. And we, we said, well, if there's something really drastic that happens, we would rather you come here and then we could always call the MAF plane 
to come in and take her to the hospital. And that's exactly what we had to do. And we didn't even know if she was going to live. And when she got to the hospital, she had some rare um, blood thing and they didn't have the medication for it. So the doctor at the Baptist Hospital got on the radio and called all of the stations of all of the missions all over that island. He said, we need you to pray for this patient from Ani because we're not sure if she's going to survive. Well, about a week later, she lost the baby, but about a week later, the MAF plane came in and landed. And she hopped out of that plane like she had never been sick in her life. And as she walked up through the village, people were going, hey, hey, you know who that is? And her husband and her father came to our front door. The, the father had tears just rolling down his face. And he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. A few days later, we got an invitation to go to a feast in that village because one half of the village had decided now they were going to be Christ followers. So I was invited. My coworker was on home assignment. And this Christian school teacher also went I think there were three of us that went and, and on the way there, we walked, it was about a three hour walk. The school teacher said, okay, I'll lead the singing. Um, he said to the other fellow, you pray. And I looked at him and he said, yeah, well, you're the missionary. So you bring the message. That's when you say, Lord, what am I going to say? And so we had a service and at that service, several of the people came and they burned their fetishes. They said, we're going to follow Christ. They eventually built a, a church building, and that church is still going to this day. I believe that was directly because we helped that lady in need. And and there's other stories like that, that that I can tell about the witch doctor who finally came to know the Lord in a wonderful way. I have a whole story about him. And initially, it was because we... Um, <clears throat> We befriended his wife when she was sick. She came to know the Lord. And then his his daughter married a Christian school teacher and they had a Christian wedding. And even though he tried to wreck the wedding, it didn't work. And eventually, in a wonderful way, the Lord just spoke to him. And I still remember the night we gathered outside and made a big bonfire. He was a very wicked witch doctor and very strong in his beliefs and what he did. He burned all of his fetishes and we stood in a group and sang a hymn and prayed. And it was just, it was amazing. And that was a, the next Sunday, there were so many people in our church because they knew he was going to be there and they all wanted to see if it was true. And he never missed. He died not long after I came home, but he never missed a service. What's a Bible verse or passage or, or story from scripture that, that helped you in your ministry journey? I think Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that comes to mind right now because it's, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, the Lord says, and they're not, they're not plans of calamity that, that, he, you know, he knows, he knows. And when I sat here in Philadelphia one time being told I might not be able to get back into Indonesia, when I got word that they weren't going to renew my visa, I was going to have to come home, which happened to many of us, you know, in every way in my life. But I think that verse and the other one, um, I just don't remember where it is. I think it's in Psalms where, where the psalmist says, um, the Lord goes before us and he makes the crooked places straight. 
and I just had to realize, like when I was learning the language, Lord, you brought me here. You've said you've got plans for me. You're going to allow me to be your instrument here in some way. Well, I need to learn the language then. And in learning the culture and learning what to say and not to say. You know, so so I think the, the, Jeremiah 29, 11 and that other verse that I can't remember where it is. Is there any advice that you would give to someone who was considering getting into ministry, going and working overseas, working cross-culturally? I would think, I would, the thing I would say is, if you truly are walking with the Lord and desire His will in your life, I would say just praying, Lord, wherever you want to lead me, I'm willing to follow. When I first heard about missions and missionaries, I didn't have a clue. I just said, okay, Lord, if you want me to do that. But as you know, as I grew older and more things kept coming in, um, I had to be certain that I was walking with the Lord because it's very easy to get. I was engaged at one time. I had to break that engagement for various reasons, but that too, the Lord was just right there for me. And I knew it was the, I knew it was the right decision to make, but it was not an easy one. So I think if you're, if you're considering, um, following the Lord into missions, first of all, just really pray that you're, that the Lord is directing you that way. And I often say um, to young people, that doesn't mean you have to go and be a preacher. You can, I think of Phil Anderton and, and all of his skills in animal husbandry and our, our agriculture. God just used that for them when they first arrived among the Baca in Cameroon. Um, I thought all missionaries, you know, I didn't, I didn't know about missionary nurses until I met Anne. And then I thought, well, I guess I'm not going to go to Europe because they won't need nurses in Europe. So Lord, where are you going to lead me? You know, cause I might rationalize that I couldn't, I wouldn't be doing that. Uh, I look at these France missionaries and I see how God has used their particular skills and abilities to be a missionary in Europe. I probably would not have fit there, but God didn't intend me to be there. So I think for anyone looking to the Lord for the future, just really trust him by his spirit. He'll lead you. And, and even when things are difficult, he'll direct you and show you. To learn more about World Team's ministry opportunities, head to us.worldteam.org and click Go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from workers in Indonesia and elsewhere, click Pray. This has been Acts of Faith, a podcast by World Team U.S. For more information on World Team and its ministries, visit us.worldteam.org.